We're in Daniel. Um, you can turn to Daniel chapter five. If you're here last week, we saw that in Daniel, this king named Belshazzar throws this giant party, does something he shouldn't do, crosses a boundary he shouldn't have. A hand comes out of nowhere, writes a riddle on the wall. His wise men cannot translate it. Daniel's called in and he translates the riddle. So we'll read the riddle. Verse 24, Daniel chapter five. Then from his presence, God's presence, the hand was sent and this writing was inscribed. And this is the writing that was inscribed. Many, many, Tekel and Parson. And this is the interpretation of the matter. Here's the riddle. Many. God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Verse 30, and that very night, Belshazzar the Chaldean king was killed and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. So there was a phrase that, it was 25 years ago when I heard it, and I've never forgotten it. And here's how I heard it. So I was a senior at Oregon State University. I lived in a little duplex with six other roommates, six of us total. One of them was John Garrett. John Garrett was the offensive tackle for the Oregon State Beavers, a mountain of a man, 6'4", 270, just a giant. But that was not big enough for what the beavers wanted. They wanted him to be 300. So they put him on this like incredible diet where essentially it was this, take a napkin, rub the food on it. If the grease makes it clear, you're clear to eat it, right? To just calories. And they send him home with this case, just cases of this like mega weight gain stuff. You know that powder that bodybuilders use? He just had cases of it. So we'd take this blender, giant blender, he would dump like whole milk in it, like a quart of peanut butter. And then the little scoop, he'd just throw that away. He'd take the whole big gallon of weight gain powder and just be like, yep, there you go. And then just, and then he'd walk around our tiny little duplex just drinking that down. Well, all those calories started to affect his digestive system. So he literally became an offensive tackle. <laughs> in our tiny little home, like, oh, Garrett, come on. Love him. Great guy. So he was part of this fellowship of Christian athletes that would go to this guy named Alex Kettle's house on Tuesday nights. And that was kind of like their church almost. So he would go there. Well, one Tuesday he's like, Hev, dude, come with me. Go to this with me. Come meet my pastor. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I'll do that. So I jump in, I go with, with Johnny Garrett over to Alex Kettle's, the pastor's house. And we go there and it's like 30 D1 athletes and me, right? Giant muscle dudes and me. I remember I'm sitting there on the couch, like with all these people. I'm thinking, man, I should have gone to the gym this week. <laughs> Not that it would have done anything, but it's just like, ah, right? It's like when you're in kindergarten, you get that sheet of paper and you're supposed to circle, which thing does not belong? Me, I don't belong here, right? I am not supposed to be here. So Alex Heddle gets up and he starts to talk. He's like, men, 
and whoever you are, you were in high school? <laughs> men, men, he said this. He said, you're either gonna spend your life or you will invest your life. And I've never forgotten that. Edgewater, you're either going to spend your life or you're going to invest your life. So God comes to this guy named Belshazzar and gives him this riddle. And we looked at it last week, many, which means numbered. And we talked about how do you number your life knowing that you're going to die? How do you number your days? And we did that last week. This week, it's the next part of this little riddle where he says, tackle, you have been weighed in the balances and been found wanting. So God says, I weighed your life, Belshazzar, and there's no substance to it. There's no weight to it. You are a lightweight. You're lightweight. So Daniel is this great book and we can get lost in the stories of like the fiery furnace or we can get lost in the stories of the lion's den, but it has these layers to it and this is one of them. It's brilliant. So who is God saying you're an insignificant lightweight to? Belshazzar. He's the king of Babylon, right? He is the man. Is he successful? He is the most successful person on the planet. He's king of Babylon. And God says, you're a lightweight, right? Does he have power? Oh man, He's an absolute monarch, which means this. There's no Supreme Court to overrule him. There's no Congress to subpoena his tax records. There's no Mueller report. There's no fake news. It's just him. What he says is truth, period. He's got that kind of power. He is an absolute monarch. Does he have status? Oh, man. He's got more followers than the clan of the Kardashians. Hands down. Does he have fun? Verses one and two, he throws a party and the 1,000 most important people in the entire realm of Babylon show up. Oh, he's got it all. And God looks at him and says what? You're a lightweight. You got all this stuff, but you are a lightweight. Your life is insignificant. It's not compelling and it's worthless and it ends tonight. Wow. Part of the power of scripture is when you take something like this and then you take your own life and you lay it over that and you say, if God showed up in my room tonight and he wrote on the wall, what, what would he write about my life? Matt, you're a lightweight. Or, Matt, you're Johnny Garrett. You're a heavyweight. What would he write? But it's even more than that. It's not like, oh no, I'm afraid of God. The scales are coming down. The Bible is this, this, it's this God desiring more for us, right? Don't get distracted with the fluff of this world, which is really easy. Instead, live a life that's flourishing and full and has substance. And so often people that we look at, the Belshazzars of life, we think, man, they got it and they don't. So I have this opportunity I've talked to other churches and, and whatever people mention me to others and, and I'll talk to people that I say, wow, you are successful. Your resume is incredible. And you get to talking to them for a while and they'll say, yeah, I have all this, but I feel so unfulfilled. 
Why, why do I have all this stuff and yet I, in my heart I feel inadequate like I need to wear a mask? Whoa, I wouldn't have thought that. Or smart people, like very smart people that you get to talking to them and they do very dumb things. Have you noticed that? So a number of years ago, a bunch of years ago, my oldest, who's 18, was four, and we were walking into RVMC because my mom was dying from cancer. And as we're walking in, my daughter, who's very aware of cancer at this point, we're walking in and there is a nurse in full scrubs right outside of the cancer ward and she's smoking a cigarette. And so my daughter's like, dad, in her outside voice, dad, why is that nurse smoking a cigarette? Doesn't she know about cancer? I'm like, yeah, yeah, be quiet, let's go, sorry. <laughs> right? Like, you should know better. Like very smart people sometimes make poor choices. Like you can think you're really smart. I'll tell you, here's a test of how smart you are. Go to Winco and try to pick the quickest line to check out, <laughs> right? Oh man, happened to me on Friday. So we had some company over Friday night. My wife needed me to pick up some stuff. So I went to Winco. I had Gabrielle, my 13-year-old, Elijah, my 11-year-old, and Myron, my five-year-old. And Gabrielle's just pushing the cart. And I'm just running and getting stuff. We're getting as fast as we can. We get everything in the cart. She chooses a line. And I'm like, oh, man. I see this other line. It's one guy. Before, I was like, sweetie, over here, over here. Come here. So we get the, the thing over there. I'm like, yes. Well, the guy like, gets up there, and he's got like wood. Who buys like firewood from Winco? <laughs> Apparently, someone does. So he's got in his car, he's like, hey, can you just ring this up? She's like, no, um, all I have is a scanner. You have to bring it up here. And he's like, he can't get out of his cart. And I'm like, I will help you. I would love to help you. Finally, he gets it out of the cart. She can't get it scanned, you know, because it's, it's just weird. So finally, gets scanned, gets put back in. He's got four items, right? But he scans the way he's like, $3.99? Oh, I don't think it was $3.99. I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Oh no, can I back out? Can I load my stuff up on my card? Oh no, right? So get that worked out. Like, oh, I'm sitting there, okay, great. And then he's like, do you take checks? It's 2019, get that card, that card, you just put it in. No, I gotta get out a checkbook. So he gets out his checkbook, which he fumbled for. And he's like, do you have a pen? She's like, yeah, that little uh, curly Q plastic thing has a pen on the end of it. No, there's no pen on that. Okay, fine. So she's like, ah, finally finds a pen, hands it to him. Meanwhile, he's like pulling up the thing like, mm, mm. there is a pen. I found a pen. You can have your pen back. She's like, thank you. Then he's like, what's the date? I'm like, golly, write the check. Oh, oh. Like 40 people were gone. It was like the most painful seven minutes of my life. I'm just like, and then Gabrielle just does this to me. Dad, <laughs> dad, oh, painful. Reasonably intelligent people can do dumb things, right? So it's bigger than just like, hey, God's gonna weigh your life. It's God saying, I want you to flourish. I want that fulfillment in your heart. I want you to live a life that looks brilliant. I want that for you. And so that, that's what I want to talk about today. It's a human dilemma question. Like, what do you, how do you live a life that is fulfilling, that is awesome, that's substance, that has weight to it, right? Have you heard of the term gains? Like, it's people that work out. They, they, I should not be the one talking about this, but people that work out have this term called gains. It's just, I just want to pack on gains. How do we have kingdom gains? 
So I just like sketched this out a while back. I came up with like 15 things in the Bible. I've narrowed it down to four. Four ways to think through our lives, to lay scripture over them to see, am I living a life that's weighty, that has substance to it, okay? So number one, turn with me if you would to Psalm 72. A pretty surprising Psalm. Psalm 72. So number one, you want kingdom gains? Success. Be successful. Look at this Psalm. So Psalm 72, verse one, a Psalm of Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. So it's a Psalm. It appears that Solomon prays for himself or prays for his son or prays for the king. Or it might be David praying it for Solomon, right? So here's what he prays. Skip down to verse eight. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and the enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. What's this prayer asking for? World domination, right? All kings, all nations, may this king have world domination. No doubt it has a messianic side to it, but it's being prayed about for a real king. May Solomon have a rule where his enemies lick the dust, where the people that are around him pay him tribute, where every king comes and bows down and every nation serves him. He's praying for world domination. Who does that sound like? King Nebuchadnezzar, right? It sounds like the, the guy that's the bad guy for most of the book of Daniel. That's what Nebuchadnezzar had. He is exactly this guy. And you're saying, what? How can this be prayed for about a godly king of Israel? Here's how, look at verse 12. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Here's why. He takes all of his success and all of his influence and all of his power and then he says, I'm going to help people. I'm gonna use my position as leverage for the poor and the broken and the needy and the weak. I wanna be a conduit, not a container of success. See, there's this silly idea that Christians should not like be successful or something. That we shouldn't do like cool jobs. Like the only job a Christian should do would be like recycling used septic systems. That should be the job of a Christian, lowly and stinky. No way, no way. This king is saying, I want world domination, why? Because I'm gonna use my position to bless and help other people. That's kingdom success. Kingdom success is like the tide. You're saying, God, I wanna go up. Why? Because I wanna help other people up with me. I wanna take my vision and my understanding and my knowledge and my wealth and my ideas and then I wanna just pour them into other people to help them become successful, to help them rise up. Man, that's awesome. 
I want each of you to be this kind of successful, whatever field you're in, I don't care what it is, to be the absolute best at it if you have this kind of mentality. God, you've put me in this place to help others. If you know the book of Daniel, that's exactly what he tells Nebuchadnezzar when God's about ready to humble him. It's Daniel 4, 27. He says, the way to prevent God taking you out, Nebuchadnezzar, is have mercy on the oppressed. B, verses 12 through 14. B, verses 12 through 14. I hope you're successful. But I hope you're successful saying, God, I wanna take other people with me. I wanna pay it forward. I wanna be a mentor. I wanna help others as well. Not a container for all this stuff, but a conduit. So number one, be successful with this idea in mind. Number two, you want kingdom gains? Wanna be a heavyweight? Eat some gnats, probably my favorite. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew, the words of Jesus, chapter 23. Listen to this, this is brilliant. Matthew 23, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier scales, matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others, you blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Jesus looks at this group of people called the Pharisees. He pulls up scales and he says, you guys are lightweights. Here's why. You're tithing up your spices. You're literally pouring out your salt shaker and you're like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine grains for me, one for God. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's insane. Jesus is saying, that's insane. Are you kidding? What a waste. You're straining at a gnat and swallowing a camel. Do you know that there are Pharisees today? People get all mixed up in what's important and what's not important, and they end up just fighting over things. You're like, that's, you're, you're, this is insane. Happened to me two weeks ago. It's after a Sunday, this service right here, super stoked, sunny day, excited, felt great, was back in the back talking to people when this couple says, hey, we'd like to make an appointment to meet with you. So I said, okay, great, no problem. Um, what's going on? What are you thinking? They said, well, what version of the Bible do you read? I said, well, I read the ESV version. Um, it's not perfect, but I think it's the best. In fact, I took a year of seminary classes on like how we get versions of the Bible, how we do that process. So in that, I just, I, I centered it on this one. It's a good one. They're like, well, right here it says this and I'm not sure about that. I'm like, okay, well, what version do you read? We read the King James Version. I went, oh, you're King James Version only, guys. Oh, I'm not meeting with you. Like what? I'm not meeting with you. I won't have this discussion again. I've read that so many times in the last 14 years. I'm not having it again. But, but it's the only translation. It's the right translation. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? I said, the King James Version is a wonderful version. It served the kingdom brilliantly, but it's 400 years old. And since the King James Version, 400 years have passed, and the problem with the King James is this, it missed out on maybe the most important biblical discovery in history. Happened in 1947. 
It's called the Dead Sea Scrolls. A treasure trove of the most ancient, best manuscripts ever. It missed out on all that. And because of that, there are places where we just know, oh, that's not right now. That's not right. And I showed them one. I said, read your version here. It's Deuteronomy 32. Read yours. Does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. Read mine. Does that make sense? It totally does. I said, that's why I've chosen this, right? I'm like, well, you have leaven in your communion. I went, oh, really? You're not just going to be like, okay, let me go home and think about this. And no, you have leaven in your communion. I'm like, okay. And, and why is that a problem? Like leaven is sin. I said, no, it's not. Leaven is yeast. That's what it is, right? <laughs> and then they said, but, but it's sin. I said, you know what sin is? Sin is murder. That's a sin. Would you like a demonstration? <laughs> feeling right there right now. <laughs> right? And so finally, it just kept going. So I said, okay, you guys are right. I am a moron. God bless you. And I left. I'm not doing that. I'm not gonna sit here and strain at gnats with you guys. I'm not doing it. And when I got in my car, I was praying and my heart was saddened. Here's why. You've got two people with a passion and two people with a seemingly a love for God's word. They're trying to convert the converted. Listen, go out there. There are tons of people that would love to learn about Jesus. There's tons of people that could use someone to love on them and you're here. What a waste. What a waste. You're straining at a camel or straining at a gnat and you just ate a camel. Wise kingdom people eat gnats and ride camels. They know that might be irritating and small, but it doesn't matter. That's the big one. That's the one that I'm gonna stick to. And so I actually mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. Actually, it's months ago. It was Daniel chapter one. And in Daniel one, I said, look at Daniel, parents. Daniel is this 14-year-old boy. And there's all these things that he just says, hey, no problem. All these gnats, just bzz, bzz, right? You're gonna change my name? No problem. Change my dress? No problem. You're gonna send me to this school where I'm gonna learn about enchantments and, and be a magician and all this kind of stuff? No problem. I'll learn it. Doesn't mean I believe it right? Just tons of stuff happens to him. And he's like, just gnats, 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 gnats until kosher diet. I won't eat meat that's been sacrificed to an idol. He draws a line in the sand. There's my camel. I love that. He knew what not to fight over. I'm not fighting over that, but I will fight over this. He knew how to look at a gnat and eat it and make sure he doesn't swallow the camel. And so I said, like there was a discussion a number of years ago that people had asked me and it came up too much. It was this, hey, is it okay if my kid reads Harry Potter? I'm like, well, if he can read, sure. I'm like, but it has wizards and okay, what are you afraid of? That your child's gonna grow up to be a wizard? Any kids grow up to be a wizard reading Harry Potter? Do we have them running around, hats, you know, wands? No, right? I said, here's what, if you're really concerned, read it with them. Talk about what you're reading. Give them an other view. Man, no problem. But sometimes I think we put our, our foot in the ground on things that don't matter, gnats. And we say, no, 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 so often to our kids that when there is a camel, they're just like, that's just dad, he's a control freak. So then we can't actually say no in a powerful way, knowing, hey, he's always said yes. This must really matter, right? And so what I said to them on that Wednesday night was this. Uh, I said, here's the big ones if you have boys. I watched a TED talk by Philip Zimbardo, who's the guy that did all those cool Stanford experiments back in the 70s. 
And it was titled this, The the Demise of Men. And if you know statistics, boys are falling behind girls now, right? That 75, 80% of valedictorians this year will be girls. The majority of high school diplomas go to girls. The majority of four-year diplomas go to girls. The majority of post-grad degrees go to girls, right? And I'm not, uh, that's awesome what's happening to the boys, right? What's happening? So here's this famous psychologist who's gonna say, here's where men are falling apart. And so I'm like excited, like ready to take notes. Super simple. Two things, excessive playing of video games and pornography. That's it. I'm like, oh man. Parents, you want two horse or two camels? Excessive video games for your sons and pornography. There's your big ones. And he goes on and talks about pornography a bit. He said this, pornography is a bad one. Here's why. It's called an arousal addiction. It's like, you know, heroin, you just need more heroin or whatever it is. Not that that's good. I'm not saying that's good at all. But porn is this. Porn is called arousal addiction. It has to get weirder and harder and grosser in order to get the same effect. So it's a black hole that just sucks kids down and they're, it's destroying their mind. There's your big ones. I have changed the settings on my router. So if a little buddy of Elijah's comes over with his iPod or whatever, he cannot get on the wrong sites because of my router. Doesn't matter what settings are on his iPod, literally my house can't get on it because I know that's a camel. I'm gonna protect my kids from that. The best that I can possibly protect them because that's coming. Like, draw the right lines in the sand. Kingdom people, weighty people know I'll eat gnats all day long, but man, that's a camel. I'm gonna make sure and stand on that. Well, Matt, what are some camels then? Jesus gives us three. Mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy for us to show is this. When you could sue somebody, when you could crush them, when you could give them a piece of your mind, you don't. You have mercy. Faithfulness. You know what faithfulness is? Consistently doing what you said you would do, both in action and thought. It's not doing it and then thinking, it's consistently doing what you said in action and thought. And then justice. What's justice? It's what the king said he would do with his power. I'll help the needy. I'll help the broken. I'll tear down bullies and bureaucracies that keep people oppressed. I'm going to take care of those things. That's what you do. Are we good at that? Or do we get stuck in gnats too often? Oh, may God give us wisdom. And we have Jesus's scales to know what a, what's a gnat and what's a camel. Thirdly, and this one is super short. This one is just grow up. How do you have kingdom gains? You grow up. First Corinthians 13, 11, Paul says this. When I was a child, I did childish things. But now that I've grown up, I made a pact with myself. I put away childish things. I, t- I tell that one to my kids. Make a pact, grow up, put away childish things. So a number of years ago, I had a chance to talk to a bunch of 18 and 20 year old men. And I heard this and, and I just repeated, I stole it from somebody. And the, the guy said this, and this is what I said to them. I said, hey, imagine a 38 year old man, lives with his parents still, um, smokes pot in his basement, plays video games all the time, parties constantly, uh, is a player, 
right? Never commits to a woman, wants one thing from a woman, that's all he wants. Doesn't keep down a job, just bounces around, is unfaithful, can't keep his word. What would you think about that 38-year-old man? All of them said, loser. I said, okay. If it's not okay to do that when you're 38, why is it okay to do it when you're 18? I said, it's not. You guys need to be looking at what you want to be and it begins today. Because if you don't do that, if you don't make a pact, you'll be that 38-year-old man. That's what will happen to you. Grow up. Put away childish things, right? That's part of what it means to, to develop and mature. Fourthly and lastly, turn with me to Matthew chapter four, or excuse me, Matthew chapter six. This one is simple, go stainless. Matthew 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus gives a long-term investment strategy. Go stainless. Go stainless. So you guys have all heard of the Amish. Usually when we think of the Amish, we think about great beards, great furniture, and very cool hats. And the other thing we think about the Amish is this. Everything they can't have. They can't have quads. They can't have monster trucks. How do they live? But if you actually study the Amish, they have a system by which they evaluate any new technology. And here's what they do. They begin with what they value the most, and then they work backwards. And they evaluate, does this give us more of what's most important? So the case study is tractors with gasoline engines and cars. So the Amish had to get together when those technologies came and they said, our value is family and community. Does a tractor give us more family and community? And here's what they decided, yes it does. It helps us do our job faster so we can spend more time in community and with our families. Tractors were allowed. Then they took a look at a car. Does a car give us more family or community? And they said this, no, a car takes you away from your family, takes you far away from community. So they said, banned, no cars. I love that. You start with what you value most. What is stainless? What's gonna last? And then you begin to evaluate your life based on that. You live life backwards that way. The Bible says there are two things that are stainless. They'll never rust, they'll never go away. So Jesus says about this book we hold, not one jot, not one tittle will pass away until it's all fulfilled. That this book is not just words on a page. There is a power to it, an eternal capacity to it. It's why one of the gravity centers of Edgewater is this, God's word. We study it, we read it, we talk about it, we base our lives on it, that it brings us wisdom, that we're always gonna be talking about the redemptive story of God best seen in the life of Jesus. That's just what we're gonna do, because it's eternal. God's word. Guess what else is eternal? The person sitting next to you. They will last forever. When the mountains out here are flat, when the new building is dust, the person sitting next to you will still exist. So we should be investing in them, right? Maybe it's like this. This is the best illustration I have. 
Uh, we had two kids in our home, um, Harry and Hunter. Uh, Harry was born addicted to heroin. We got him straight out of the NICU. Um, he was with us for like eight months and uh, brilliant kid, love him. I still connected to him, still get pictures of him. Uh, he's been with his grandma for the last year um, in Hawaii. Yes, it's how I know God can work good from evil. Yeah, dude, you're in Hawaii, bro. You got, you got the lottery. So about six months into having Harry, uh, my wife was needing some help and I just walked into the house and I heard this conversation. She was talking to Elijah and she said to Elijah, hey, Elijah, hey, would you grab Harry? And Elijah was on a computer and he was playing some little video game. So uh, <laughs> he, he's like, hold on, mom. I'm about to save the world. Yes, and this is what my wife said. So brilliant. She looked at Elijah, she said, no. Pointing right at baby Harry. That is saving the world. I just went, touchdown. Oh, sermon note, that was brilliant. That's a focus. This is what we value way more than anything else. This is what's gonna change the world. This is what's gonna save the world. Do we have those kind of scales where we go stainless? We're evaluating what's going to last. What's going to last? Right? How do you live a weighty life? Man, you're successful. As successful as you can possibly be in your field so that you're the tide that raises other people up. You eat gnats. Just, I am not going to get stuck in these little endless genealogies and debates, Paul would call them. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to waste my time with that. I'm gonna ride camels. You grow up. There's things that we all need to put away childish things. And you go stainless. And the reason why we do that is because you live a life that's brilliant then. It flourishes. It has fulfillment. It has all the intangibles that we actually want. We get those with these. And you see it best in the life of Jesus. Constantly quoting God's word. And who did Jesus invest in? People, people. People, 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 people. And the Bible says he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. He had joy. He lived it right. A weighty, substantial life. So we come to the table. We've got the bread and the cup. And for some of us, maybe we need to visit Romans chapter 12 that says this. Therefore, because of all the gospel that comes before that, chapters one through 11, justification by faith, grace. Therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to the image of the world. We have a world that's very good at getting us entranced with fluff. Don't be conformed to that image but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's you come and you take the cup and you take the bread and you say, transform my mind. Give me the scales that you had so I can evaluate what I'm doing so I'm not a lightweight, so I get kingdom gains. And that's what Jesus does for us. He does that work. We say, God, do it, and he does it. This week, Help me to have kingdom scales. Help me to look at things with the right lens and God does that. And so Jesus today, we come needy. We come expectant. 
We come willing to say, here's my life. Living sacrifice. Reformat my brain. So I see eyes. I have eyes like you. I see the world through your lens. And I invest my life, not spend it. So may we be a people that are successful, that aren't small and trivial, that put away the childish things that really hold us back, that invest in things that are eternal and lasting because it brings us joy and fulfillment and your kingdom grows and flourishes. And that's what we want. So may we eat and may we drink strength, power, resolve, And I ask this in your name, amen.